We've been working our way through the book of Deuteronomy. We fast forward this morning. The end is in sight. Uh, we, we skip several chapters and come to chapter 30, uh, beginning to read at verse 11. Moses speaking to the people uh, in the name of God. Now what I am commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. It's not up in heaven so that you have to ask, who will ascend into heaven and get it and proclaim it to us so that we may obey it? Nor is it beyond the sea so that you have to ask, who will cross the sea to get it and proclaim it to us so that we may obey it? No, the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you may obey it. See, I have set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways and to keep his commands, decrees and laws. Then you will live and increase. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you are not obedient... And if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now, Choose life, so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life and he will give you many years in the land he swore to give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Thanks be to God for his word. Let's respond by singing together. 3015, our Father everlasting, the all-creating one, God Almighty. Go make it singable. Yeah, Yeah, great. Went to the dentist the other day, the dentist said... uh, do you have snacks between meals? I said, not if I can help it. It depends how long the gap is between the meals. Uh, do, you, do you drink tea or coffee? Have you sugar in your tea or coffee? Well, yes, I do. Do you drink tea or coffee between meals? Well, yes, yeah, I can have to. How many times? I thought I was given the third degree by the dentist. <laughs> Sue defended me. She said, a lot, part, lot of your job is drinking tea and coffee with people. So I felt better about that. And one of the great things about being in Horsham is that, um, uh, you know, there is nowhere I go where I think, I'm not having a cup of tea or coffee here. It's pretty safe. It's pretty safe. Once upon a time, tea was tea, and coffee was coffee, and the choice between them was straightforward. You knew what you were going to get. These days, we are sport for choice. Tea or coffee is no longer straightforward or simple. Can we have the the next uh, picture, please, Andy? Yeah, thank you. What kind of tea? Going to be breakfast? Earl Grey? They're both black teas. Last year at the Tear Fund Quiz, we were asked about different kinds of tea. 
Uh, there, there's green tea, white tea. White tea was the right answer to the question last night. There's yellow tea. There's red bush. You might get peppermint or a fruit infusion. We get to coffee. The choice is equally bewildering. There's espresso, macchiato, americano, latte, cappuccino, mocha. Do you remember being intimidated by all these different names when they thought, I don't know what this is. <laughs> all that means that part of the stress of visiting a coffee shop is making up your mind what you're going to have. And that's before you start to I'm decaffeinated or not. Got me thinking about Moses' commandment to Israel. This commandment I've set before you today, he says, is not too difficult or beyond your grasp. It's not like choosing tea or coffee. You don't have to go up to heaven to bring it down or travel around the world to find it. It's right here on your lips, in your mouth, in your heart. There's no reason at all why you shouldn't be able to do it. But which commandment are we talking about? The rabbis found 613 in the Old Testament, Hebrew Testament. 245 positive ones, 365 negative ones. That seems backwards to me. That's bad planning. If you had 365 positive ones, you could say, today I'm going to do this one, rather than today I'm not going to do this one. But there you go. Deuteronomy includes the Ten Commandments. Moses clearly doesn't expect people to single one of those out. Attempt one from this section, as if it was an exam. Even Jesus had two, uh, love the Lord your God with everything you've got and love your neighbour as yourself. Moses says, I'm just giving you one, one commandment today. What is it? Choose life. Choose life. It's as simple and as memorable as that. I've set before you life and death, blessings and curses, he tells them. Choose life. That's the first step and everything else follows from that because if you're choosing life, you are heading in the right direction. You don't choose life, you're heading in the wrong direction. And it's all about whether you're working towards God or heading away from God. If you choose life, you will end up loving the Lord your God and holding fast to him. But the first step, which way am I going to go? Going to choose life. If you've watched the film Train Spotters, um, you will know that Renton, at the beginning of the film, uh, says he doesn't choose life. And there's this long, quite famous quotation. I will read you the expurgated version. Uh, and at the, towards the end of it, the disillusionment with life becomes quite apparent. He says this, choose life. Choose a job. Choose a career. Choose a family. Choose a big television. Choose washing machines, cars. Choose compact disc players, electrical tin openers. Choose good health, low cholesterol and dental insurance. Choose fixed interest mortgage repayments. Choose a starter home. Choose your friends. Choose leisure wear and matching luggage. Choose a three-piece suite on higher purchase in a range of fabrics. Choose DIY and wondering who you are on a Sunday morning. Choose sitting on that couch watching mind-numbing, spirit-crushing game shows, stuffing junk food into your mouth. Choose rotting away at the end of it all in a miserable home, nothing more than an embarrassment to the selfish brats you've spawned to replace yourself. Choose your future. Choose life. And he says, I didn't choose life. At the end, he does choose life. Though he betrays his druggy friends to do so, why did I do it, he says at the end of the film? Because I'm a bad person. 
And then disconcertingly, as he walks purposefully towards the camera, he says, I'm going to be just like you. And the way of life he outlines is the default choice for the majority of people. Actually, most people don't choose life at all. They just conform to the expected stereotype. They've got the job, the family, the big television, the washing machine, the car, the compact disc player, the electrical tin opener, good health, low cholesterol, dental insurance, mortgage, starter home, leisure wear, luggage, three-piece suite, DIY, game shows, junk food, children, walks in the park, nine to five, good at golf, washing the car, choice of sweaters, family Christmas, index pension, tax exemption, clearing gutters, getting by, looking ahead the day you die. If that's kind of the expected path... How do you choose life? Actually, for many people, the option seems to be opting out of that. But how much choice do we really have? Many people find their their life is scripted out for them well in advance, and the only options are to conform or to opt out. But deep down inside, there may be a feeling there must be more to living than this. And the capacity to choose is actually fundamentally part of what it means to be human. It's a bit old hat now, but one philosophy which did set great store by the capacity we have to make choices which authenticate us as human beings is existentialism. Any past existentialists here this morning? I thought you were putting your hand up then for a minute, Peter. You're just scratching your head. It still has its advocates. Back in 2016, writing in The Guardian, Sarah Bakewell talked about how existentialists think that what makes humans different from all other beings is the fact that we can choose what to do. In fact, we must choose. The only thing we're not free to do is not to be free. Other entities have some predefined nature. A rock, a penknife, even a beetle is just what it is. But as a human, there's no blueprint for producing me. I may be influenced by biology, culture, personal background, but at each moment, I'm making myself up as I go along, depending on what I choose to do next. And when you look at the, the story, the origins of humanity in the book of Genesis, in the Garden of Eden, you know, Adam and Eve had a choice. You know, Don't eat the fruit of that tree. You can choose to do this or that. And as they found, and as we find voting for things like Brexit, choices have consequences that you can't always necessarily predict. But the capacity to choose, to make serious life-changing decisions and to cope with the consequences of that is something that God has given to us because that's part of how he made us. But in our society, where the prescription is fairly clear, this is what life is going to be like, how much choice do we have other than keeping running on the treadmill for as long as we can or simply opting out? But when we encounter God's kingdom, we find a whole new choice opens up to us. Because God enables us, God invites us, God calls us to choose life. A whole dimension of life that's missing if we don't know God. To find authentic living in the midst of all the paraphernalia that control our day-to-day agenda, God says to us, I'm giving you a choice. Today, choose life. What's that mean in practice? It means I'm going to see today as a gift from God. The God by whose grace you woke up this morning still breathing has given you this day as a gift. And with this day comes the offer of living it to the full. Living life. 
Every day we're faced with a choice about what kind of person am I going to be? How am I going to live? Yes, there is the inevitable routine of things which have to be done, but how am I going to do them? I'm just going to do them like a bit of an automaton. It has to be done. I'm going to close my mind to it and get through it and just get to the other end of the day and, and, and be relieved it's over. Or am I going to invest myself in what I do? Am I going to bring value and importance and significance to what I do by how I do it because I'm doing it for Jesus? Am I going to be value, bring value and importance and significance to the people that I meet because they matter to God and to me? Am I going to make the whole of my life an offering of worship to God who's given me this day and invites me to live today for him? So we choose to do what we do well, seeking God's grace to do it wholeheartedly and gladly and willingly. And we work together with the Spirit of God to bring order where there is chaos or confusion or muddle or disorder, peace where there is strife, cleanliness where there is dirt, goodness where there is nothing of value. Each day we choose life. And we choose to bring life to others by how we live and what we do. In terms of the people that we meet, we choose life. So that God's grace in our hearts impacts on other people's lives in a positive way. We don't lapse into their bad mood or become infected with their negativity or join with them in complaining and griping about other people. As people whose hearts are set on the living God, we choose life, we bring life, we offer life, we enhance life. Every person you meet is someone made in God's image, living out, if they but knew it, God's gift to them of that day. So at the end of the day, if they think back on what's happened, will their encounter with you be something which stirs a sense of gratitude in an otherwise unbelieving heart? Whether they have seen something of the life of Christ in you and thought, I like what I see in that person. Choosing life means investing in the people that we meet, giving them our time, our attention, our readiness to serve, our willingness to give. We have no choice over the people we meet or the people we work with, but we can choose how we engage with them. We can choose life and choose to be life-giving. To choose life means to choose God rather than ourselves. To embrace the values and priorities of his kingdom rather than following the prescribed agenda of our own little empire. It means saying no to those negative choices. It means not indulging those desires we know will corrode our souls from the inside out. Saying no to those decisions which devalue and degrade those around us. It means saying no to hostility and resentment. Yes to love and forgiveness. And when someone upsets us, or someone says something wrong, or someone gives us a hard time, the instinctive response is to retaliate, and we choose and say, actually, I'm going to turn the other cheek. I'm going to choose how I respond to the bad stuff when it comes my way. It means asking, inviting God to fill our hearts with the fruit of his spirit, so that in our words and deeds, in our interactions with others, they see the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are the God-given virtues that grow within us when we choose life. God says we harvest what we plant. You're going to reap what you sow, to quote another biblical reference from the film Train Spotting. If you follow your selfish desires, you will harvest destruction. But if you follow the Spirit, 
you will harvest eternal life, says Paul. So unsurprisingly enough, if you think about it, our ultimate destination depends entirely on our choice of a direction. Following your own selfish desires, living according to the flesh, doing what comes naturally, living life out of our own resources on the level of what is merely human, the end of that road is death. But to follow the Spirit, to turn our hearts to what is good, to invite God to infuse our lives with his presence, the end of that road leads to eternal life. And the call to choose life affects both how we live every single day of our lives here and now, making the daily decision to live by faith, to welcome God's kingdom into our hearts, and it also affects the ultimate outcome of our lives because the end of that road is eternal life. Choosing life now brings eternal life at the end because that life is God's gift through Jesus Christ who died on the cross and rose again. And that bit's important. The only reason we can have eternal life is because Jesus rose from the dead, victorious over the grave, and he opened the door into heaven for us so that we can go through. But his death wasn't just a means to that end, as if if he'd never died, he wouldn't be able to rise from dead and, and, and open heaven for us. No, Jesus died for all of us who have not chosen life. Jesus died for all of us who at some point or another said, I'm going that way, and set out in the wrong direction, and have been unable to find our way back. Jesus died for all those times when we woke up this morning and said, I'm not going to choose life today. And all the destruction that we cause and the disappointment and damage that we cause along the way. Whenever we've done something rash or stupid or wicked or unloving, it's like a little bit of us dies on the inside. But Jesus died and rose again to bring those dead parts of our souls back to life again. He can redeem us from our own self-imposed destruction and bring us out of death into life. And however far we might have wandered down the wrong road in the wrong direction, there will always be a time when Jesus speaks and says to us, it's not too late for you to choose life. And wherever you find yourself this morning, Jesus is the one who can turn your life around and change the outcome. It may feel as if somewhere along the line we've made so many mistakes that we've lost the capacity to choose the good. And that's what happens. The more wrong, bad choices we make, the harder it is to turn things around because they end up governing who we are and controlling our character. But Jesus came to be the saviour of those who are lost to give to people who've lost the willpower the option and capacity to stop heading down the road, to turn round and to choose life. That's why he came. That's what he came to do. Because God loves you and you are far too precious to God for him to give up on you. The invitation to choose life comes today with your name on it. And if the only prayer you can say is, God help me, then that's enough. Because whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The Lord says, I've set before you life, death, blessings and curses. Choose life. 
choose life. We're going to sing together 646. All I once held dear built my life upon.